0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello everyone, I'm Pamela Ricchia from Living Joyfully, and this is a bonus episode of the Exploring Unschooling podcast, sharing a conversation I had recently for the self-directed podcast with Jesper and Cecily Conrad. It was such an invigorating conversation that I asked if we could share it here as well, and they graciously agreed. We dive into the art of fostering strong, respectful, and trusting parent-child relationships, redefining success and experiential learning, basically cultivating the space for our children to learn through their interests and experiences while having conversations about it all with someone who loves them deeply. I hope you enjoy our conversation. And if you'd like to bring more thoughtful and engaging conversation about unschooling into your days, I invite you to join me, Anna, and Erica in the Living Joyfully Network. This month, we're talking about finding our groove, and it's been really fun and interesting to dive into it. In this week's focus call, I shared three aspects of the idea of finding our groove that I see. So one is exploring my own groove, which means learning about myself as a person, how I'm wired, my fears, my motivations, my sensitivities, my interests, how I like to engage with things, and so on. Both embracing them with compassion and sometimes choosing to play with the edges of my comfort zones. Second is helping my kids and partner find their grooves. People are different, and their grooves are going to look different than mine. How they're wired, their fears, their motivations, their sensitivities, their interests, how they like to engage with things. When we try to see things through their eyes and help them pursue the things they want to do, the ways they want to do them, we help them learn more about themselves and in turn, we learn more about them. And the third aspect is weaving all these grooves together into the bigger picture of life as a family. We can find where our grooves connect and resonate. Maybe it's a shared interest or a shared feeling of excitement around our individual passion there's something energizing about finding our grooves and weaving them together we like resonate at a higher level gaining a deeper understanding about ourselves is a big part of this journey and something we talk about a lot in the network it's a welcoming and encouraging space where you can explore unschooling with other like-minded parents who are also choosing to embrace lifelong learning and cultivate strong and connected relationships with their children Follow the link in the description to learn more and join us or just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash network. And now let's get to my conversation with Jesper and Cecily today we are together with
1: Pam Ladekia and uh, when we started our journey as world travelers uh, it came to me oh it could be fun to do some podcast um, and then we looked around and one of the podcasts we saw was yours and you were also so kind to invite us uh, as guests on the podcast both Cecilia and me. And now we have the honor of being able to return the favor and be the ones asking the questions. So welcome.
0: Thank you so much. I am excited to chat with you guys. And thanks again for coming on my podcast. That was really fun having you each individually and seeing the different perspectives on your journey. So thanks again for that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And we will link to those recordings if people want to hear those. But It could be wonderful to start with your own personal journey uh, into the whole unschooling world. So if you can tell us a little about how that started for you.
0: Yeah, that was a little while ago. (laughs) Uh, That was back in 2002. I have three kids. That year, when they left school, they were nine, seven, and four. And really, I up until like a couple of months before that point, I didn't even know like homeschooling was a thing. Uh, I didn't know it was possible. I thought you kids had to go to school. Um, so my kids were all in school. My youngest was in junior kindergarten. And I guess over those the couple of years, two or three years before unschooling, just uh, school wasn't a great fit for my eldest. Um, so I was working with teachers and chatting with my son and, you know, just moving through it, trying to make it um as uh I, the, what word should I choose? Bearable an experience? I yep. I, I wanted to do more than just that. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Uh so I mean, that was going okay. We tried another school. So that year he was in a new school, uh, which was definitely better, but it still wasn't a place where he could shine and thrive. And I knew the child that I saw at home who was, you know, learning and having fun and a joy to be around. So it was becoming very obvious. That it was the environment. So that's why I was, you know, working with teachers so that they could understand a little bit better. Um, But then while I was doing my research, uh, I came across the idea of homeschooling. Um, It was in an article and I was like, hey, what the heck is that? That sounds very curious. (laughs) Um, so I did a little bit of research. We live in Canada, so I found out it was legal in Canada. I found, so this was back in 2002 online. I found like a forum where there were people from my province who were homeschooling their kids. I was like, oh, and there are people in the world that are doing this. There are people in my country in my province. Like, okay, it's a thing. So what happened is the kids were home for March break. And, you know, my husband and I had talked about it and we had decided, you know what, like, it doesn't need to be a forever decision. Let's try it. We for the last few years, we've been trying lots of things with the schools and with the various school systems and everything. So this is another possibility for us to try. Um, So we thought, you know what, we'll give it a try and see how it goes. Like that is a way that we approach everything most things in our life you know like give it a try we don't feel cast in stone in choices that we're making it's like okay let's take a step in that direction and see how it goes and then we'll take another step if it's working or etc so I went up to the kids uh I think it was the Friday of the March break and I just asked them I said hey you know what I found out Because I had said in my time as a parent, I'm sorry, you have to go to school. You know, how can we make this something that's workable for you? How can I help you? And I I found out that you don't actually have to go to school. You can stay home and hang out and we can do things together. And I asked each one of them individually just so that they wouldn't kind of influence each other or feel an expectation around that. And all three of them were like, Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. I think that sounds great. Let's try that. So they just didn't go back to school then. Because at that point we're like, okay, we want to try this. We don't have to like wait, wait out the rest of the school year. And, no, no. and you know, if
1: it was March, it was also just a couple of months. And if it didn't work out, they could start again after the summer.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So that was really my journey um, to like... On one hand, it feels like when you decide to take your kids out of school, like, oh, that's the decision. That's kind of the end. Now we're, that's it. Because because it's a big choice. Often it can be a big choice for someone, especially when it's something that you've just discovered is possible. And it's a very different than what you've grown up with. So it can feel like you're kind of done. But really, at that point, when you choose to bring them home, that's kind of also the beginning of your homeschooling journey or your unschooling journey. It was a few weeks into homeschooling as I was, you know, diving deeper into learning about it, where I discovered the the unschooling style of homeschooling, if you want to call it that and was reading more about that and digging into that and learning about that. Um, so while it feels like kind of the end of one, it's really the start of a, another big, beautiful journey.
1: <laughs> and, and a long journey. Uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> because there's still after 20 years stuff to explore, I, be, I believe.
0: But- because I believe at that point it becomes like you, you come to um, see it as a lifestyle. Really, like this is the way I would like to live as a person. And yeah, things things are always coming up in life and bubbling up. It becomes more of a lifestyle that continues versus something that you do while your kids are school age.
1: Yeah. But uh, Pam, what made you become, an, you can call it an advocate of unschooling with your podcast and, and all this? What... What made you take that step? We have done it ourselves. I know for, for us, it's um, because it feels like there's so much to tell um, maybe. And I, I want I want people to be able to find out the stuff we had to search for. I want to make it easier for people with our podcast to see different stories. But if you take us back, then when did you start your podcast and how many episodes are you up to actually?
2: You do realize you just asked five questions.
1: I asked five questions. Good luck remembering them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll start with the last one because, of course, that's the one yeah, I remember. Do that and forget yeah. the rest. Yeah. Tomorrow, um, for the Exploring Unschooling podcast episode 352 is wow. going out. Wow. Um, that came now back to my motivation for sharing really is super similar to yours because like I said, I hadn't even heard of homeschooling, let alone, you know, unschooling is a much smaller subset of that. So for me, it was a combination of um, just my personality and my brain is very, I'm, I'm very much a systems thinker and one thing I all I learned through um, diving into this lifestyle with my kids was also the value of like because when you start it's like oh they're not going to school so how are they going to learn so you're really focused on the learning piece but pretty darn soon you you see that your kids are learning all the time right mm-hmm. and really it becomes yeah. so how do I support that I don't need to direct it what am I doing instead I'm supporting that and. To thrive in supporting their learning, what really was fundamental to that was our relationship, so that we had a connected and a trusting relationship, so they felt comfortable asking questions, so they felt comfortable coming and asking for support, oh, can I want to do this, can we figure out a way to make this happen, Et cetera? those kind of pieces, so it really became relationship focused. Um, so for me, putting it all together was just super fun to understand how it was working. and then alongside that, it was the piece of people probably you know, don't even know that it exists, but that it's an option that it's a choice. School um certainly, um, you know where in Ontario, Canada, where I was growing up, um there really was just the expectation that school would, uh, you know, educate our children. And you just kind of, it, it was just something you turned your kids over for that. And that didn't feel like a choice. It just felt like this was something that I had to do. So just, it wasn't about saying like unschooling is better at all. It was about saying, you know, you have a choice, you know, this is something that, because I feel like even if they learned about that homeschooling is possible, et cetera, even when they choose school, like Then when you realize it's a choice, I feel like often you're more engaged in it. Because it's like, oh, I'm choosing to send my kids to school. Now I'm, you know, a little bit more engaged to find out what it is they are learning. Maybe I will chat with them about that. You know, maybe I'll support my kid a little bit more versus us all just sitting back going, oh, yeah, you got to go do that. Off you go. I'm going to work. You're going to school. We'll come home and we'll never talk about any of it. (laughs) Yeah. And
1: maybe even get to know the teachers that your children (laughs) spend time with all day. Yeah,
0: exactly. So from there, what I actually started um, at the time was writing. So I started with a blog, sharing information that way. Um, 2012, I published my first book, um, Free to Learn, um, Five Ideas for a Thriving, Unschooling Life. Um, So basically, by that point, now I was 10 years into the journey. So what I did was just take the three paradigm shifts that over the years I found most valuable. I mean, cause there were lots of them, but which were fundamentally the most valuable for me to kind of hit my stride with unschooling. So that was my first book there. Can,
1: um, can we go into the three paradigm shifts you find the most valuable? Just so you mentioned them. So people know. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, yeah, I still think have-
1: people should go know, out and like- read the book.
0: up, <laughs> yeah. But I think, well, one of the things we already touched on is that shift um, from teaching to learning, right? So, yeah. what we're focused on our kids learning at first when we come come to homeschooling or unschooling, uh, because we feel like we're replacing school with it. So, but one of the big shifts for unschooling is is just that shift of focus from instead of looking from like the teacher's perspective, or I as a parent want to teach my child these things, because I think they're super valuable, is that shift to, oh, but let me look through my child's eyes. Because I can say things over and over and over again. But if my child doesn't like take it in, does it even really count as teaching? You know, same with at school. You learn things for the test, and you know, a month or two later, you don't really remember those things. Is that really taught? But is it really learned? They definitely taught, right? They taught us those things for us to learn them for the test. But if we don't retain them, if they don't really make sense in our world for us, um, were they really learned? So. I find that the most valuable question when we come to it is the learning piece, right? Because we're looking at our children and we're trying to support their learning. So when we start seeing things from that perspective, that that really, that's a huge shift for us, right? On the journey because then that becomes what's valuable to us. What are they learning? What are they interested in learning? What are they curious about? And when we can start and meet them there, Then we can we can start to see how unschooling shines because we start to see the pieces um, that they're picking up and we start to see how they use them in their day to day life. Right. You know, they're maybe they're picking up, maybe they're picking up new vocabulary. You know, maybe they're picking up a newer understanding of something. And you can see their excitement, they're wanting to share, they're using their new words in conversation, they're using a new concept. You just see it come out in something they do or something they say. And you can see that difference from something that's memorized to something that's more internalized, something that they understand because it makes sense in their view of the world. They put it in, I kind of envision, you know, learning as a web, like a web of learning, because there's multiple connections of things. And the more connections uh, a fact or an idea has, the deeper you understand it, because it makes sense to you in many different contexts. So maybe you learn it one way, because you had a conversation and someone mentioned something about gravity, and then, you know, then you're jumping on a trampoline and you're like, oh, look, this is gravity helping me. And then, you know, something falls out of the tree and, you know, then you made another connection. And so your understanding of it grows as you make more and more connections with it versus a random factoid that you've memorized for the test but you don't have a lot of connections to it because it's not something that is coming up in your world. It's not something that you're using every day or you know, consistently in your life. So there's not a lot of connections to it. So it just kind of bubbles away. It's not, it maybe doesn't disappear, but it's much harder to recall because you don't have a lot of connections. You don't have a lot of paths to get to it. You don't have that deeper understanding of how it fits into your world. And then when you can start losing the idea of, Certain things need to be learned by a certain age. And instead you look at the interest and, and the connections and understanding it in your world. You come to see that, oh, yeah, it, it's not that they're seven. So they need to know X. It's that they happen to be seven. They're really interested in this. And look at all the bits and the connections that they're pulling together for this. And then, then maybe you're like, oh, he's seven and he's picking this up at school. They learn that at night. And you get comfortable with the idea that it's not really an age specific thing, it's more of a person-specific thing, their specific interests. And then you as you get more comfortable with that, you can flip it. It's like, okay, you know, if my daughter was in school at age 10, she'd be learning X, Y, and Z. But you know, she's she's hit X, Y and Z hasn't come up in her life. But you know what? I am super comfortable that she will soak that in when it does come up because I've seen her do it multiple times now. So giving um, our kids the freedom to just follow their interests and to watch the learning that happens through their eyes really helps us understand how unschooling works and really helps us kind of melt away from looking through that age lens or that curriculum lens, and just really focusing on, it's like another layer to peel back on supporting our kids learning. It's like, yeah, this is where their mind is right now. This is where they're a sponge for making connections. That's what I want to support. That's what I want to help them with.
1: Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Uh, It it makes me think about one thing, which is we have the last couple of years lived as uh, world schooling, world schoolers traveling full time. And um, often when we talk with people um, and when we ourselves started out, I hear this uh, where we explain that the kids are still learning. And I'm thinking it's because parents, when you live in a country, steadily have a um, responsibility towards the state you live in to say, to show off what they have learned. So, as a parent, you need to have this constant view on being able to translate it into not a curriculum, but Education. it after the after the fact curriculum, um, where we are now in a place where. Actually, don't look any longer, which is really freeing. Um, and and um, I'm just thinking that there is this uh, dissonance that on some way with unschooling you wanted to be totally free, but at the same time, time you have decided to live in a country, and you need to be able to report back. So so how how um, How have the local government been for you to work together with? Have it been easy? Uh, How how have that
0: been? This is uh, very easy in that we um, submit a letter at the beginning of the school year that says, "I take responsibility for my child's education," and that is that.
1: Oh, you don't need to fill out the reports or make.
2: It used to be in Denmark.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that was lovely, has been lovely. Um, I know that that it can definitely be challenging in some areas where there is more reporting. And um, just from talking with people over the years, That is one of the shifts, like being able to get to that place, Jasper, where you're not always using that lens when you're watching your kids or you're talking to your kids or feel like you need to kind of subtly tweak them just like a little bit in this direction. Because then you'll hit that checkbox that, you know, in the back of your mind that needs to be checked. Um, So I know they'll do a lot of. um, you know, whether it's taking photos, or just making little notes about what they've done at the, at the end of each day, just so that you've got that, and you can turn that into education ease, whatever you want to call it, whatever language that they're looking for, um, just to show the things that they're learning. I mean, it's a wide range. And it's, really dependent, not just on where you live, but, you know, if you have a facilitator you have to work with, you know, are they unschooling friendly? Do they understand how that works? Are they open to that? Are they much more tick the box? Can you just tick the boxes and send it off and and you're done? I know in places where it can get more complicated, some people go with umbrella schools that again, understand unschooling. But that you can talk to them kind of more in your language. They will do the translation to the more formal education-based language and do any reporting that needs to be done to the state or the country, whichever whoever is running your local uh, homeschooling rules. Because it is inside the, the homeschooling laws, right? Yeah. But yes, that was. I very nice. Pardon.
2: It fall with that. Uh, taking notes at the end of the day trying to translate into education is obviously it's necessary if the laws where you live demand some sort of report but the danger is that you you have that tick box thing in the back of your mind and you cannot free yourself from "Ah, could they please just please play chess just for half an hour then I can write math you know and and you will have this filter on what the kids are doing and as it's all about the relation and it's all about the life we actually live together, they will totally pick up that, that you get relief with the chess and less relief with the cartoons. And I think writing something down at the end of the day, every day as an unschooler would probably ruin your process. And, but it, it totally will, you know, skew your own
0: focus. And you know after- what I'm Oh, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, but the writing down at the end of the day, I would do with my unschooling lens. I would write the cartoons, I would write the things, I would keep my joy of the unschooling and learning that I see them doing, irregardless of what curriculum tick boxes, like I would not put that lens on until I needed to do the reporting. Because yes, if I try to switch between those two lenses every day, yeah. like trying to get rid of the lens in the morning so that I can have a relaxed day with them and then put the lens on at night when I go through That's nice. that incredibly difficult. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I can, because I can't like back then, just how long it takes to drop that lens, right? You just can't do it in a, in an hour, It takes, I know it would take me days. Like if I ended up in a situation that felt that I certainly at the beginning of my journey where it was a little more tenuous, my understanding of what was happening. And, you know, say we went to the Science Center for fun and then all these school trips were walking around and they all had their little sheets and and you're like, oh, you know, should I be doing something like that? It would take me a handful of days Mm. to get myself back and understand what was happening there and to process that and say, you know, what, what were they learning by doing those worksheets, you know? paying a little bit of attention, seeing them in action, and then reminding myself about the value of the way my kids were learning. And, like, it's a choice. I could send them back to school tomorrow if I felt that that was better for our family. Um, But I would need to do that processing. I can see it there. But, yeah, I would save that. My suggestion would be to save that only, like, when the reporting needs to be done because then you can just get in that mindset and go through all of your notes
1: but but even though we are 10 years or more more maybe Ill, 11 or 12 years down our road here of the unschooling journey i sometimes uh, look back and i'm like oh it's maybe not half a year ago that when i talked with someone i uh, said oh yeah but some he's uh, learning uh, studying some online psych- uh, psychology uh, and it it's the fear of being judged in me maybe it's the the fear of uh, Living so alternately and then having people look at it and me being still caring is probably the, the way I am. Still- like, oh, I want them to see me as a good parent, even though I live this very alternative life. Um, and, and wanting I-
0: to share pieces that look more conventional or to share the pieces that we're doing in a way, because we want to, we're trying to connect with them where they are. Like I wouldn't take it on as so much judgment of ourselves. Like we're doing it all wrong if we feel this need, you know, maybe it is us just wanting to connect with someone that we're in conversation with and we see where they are on their journey and we are sharing the bits of our life that might make sense to them or sharing them in a way that might make a little bit of sense to them. The challenge comes when we also feel that's better. (laughs) Then we have some work to do ourselves If sharing it that way makes us go, hmm, maybe that is what I'm looking for. But, you know, so that's just a reminder to rework that process, to remember why we're choosing this, to, you know, understand, to look at our kids as the unique and wonderful beings that they are and seeing that the choices they're making and the things that they're doing really fit them so well, And that, you know, they are where they, even when there's challenges, like that's one of the other things that we can, when someone first comes to unschooling, it can feel almost, what do you mean everybody just does what they want to do? That's not life, you know, nobody's going to choose to do a hard thing ever if they don't have to, like all those questions Mm -hmm. that bubble up. And uh, it's just so fascinating to see when we look at our kids, it's like, no, you know. That that isn't true. We see them choose to move through frustrating things because they want to do the thing. That's the difference, you know. Conventionally, we're telling them the things that they have to do. So of course they don't want to struggle with something that they're doing just because they're told that they have to do it. But if it's something that you want to do, you want to accomplish, um, you're just so much more determined. And also, you see them when they, you know, hit their head against the wall a few times, and if they decide, like, nope, I'm done with that. But you can see how they own that choice. You can see how that choice makes sense for them in that moment. Those are the pieces that remind you that this is why we're choosing this lifestyle. But yeah, when you're chatting with people, it definitely can make sense to try and make sense of our lives in a way that they'll understand.
1: <laughs> and and I like that lens better. I will use that onwards. I'm not judging myself. I'm just meeting people where they are.
2: I think you should use both.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> you have to be beware if you feel you have to justify what you're doing or translate it or even tweak the reality in order for other people to like you or respect you then maybe you have to think about you actually just said that the other day to me that some ideal shouldn't stand in the way of what you feel is right so If you have some idea about what a 17-year-old boy should be doing, but you identify as an unschooler, so you don't tell him, and the boy is therefore not doing it, maybe because he doesn't know it's a thing, or maybe, I don't know, and you don't feel good about it, and you're the parent, then maybe, you know, I'm not saying that we have an issue with our 17-year-old, because we actually don't. This is very made up. (laughs) but We could have had. Um, I think... Within unschooling families, I see a lot of problems of this sort arise where the parent feel they're not allowed to say certain things or in certain ways. Or if they have, if you have, I have this crazy idea that math is great. And I tell my children like every two months, we talk about that, (laughs) how much I love it. And sometimes they do some and sometimes they don't and they can do whatever they want with it. But I would always encourage it because I think it's so great just like people who like soccer or, or I don't know, Western movies or knitting, then, you know, I'm just into this and and just like I'm into Shakespeare. I really love Shakespeare. And I, I almost make my kids read Shakespeare by being so passionate about it myself. I think some parents, some unschooling parents think it's illegal to have these, especially if the ideas are more in the academic field, whereas was it soccer or knitting, it would be okay to be open about it. But is it Shakespeare and math? Then you have to shut up because you're an unschooling parent. And and that's like so.
1: But the unschooled police would come after us.
2: Maybe the unschooled police would come after us. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. shoot sure. us down.
0: Well, no, but I it's have... a thing in my experience. Haven't you met that? No, oh, it's absolutely 110% a thing. I'm just smiling because that's the series that we're doing. The latest series we're doing on the podcast right now are these unschooling quote rules episodes. And we say the unschooling police are not going to come and arrest you. you Rules. And that is one of the rules. Like there are so many layers in what you were sharing there, Cecilia, because there is, oh, why am I valuing math and Shakespeare above soccer and whatever the other thing? Well, you know? just
2: for the record, I'm not. No, exactly. <laughs> I didn't value Shakespeare in your math, example. Yeah. yeah the thing, the thing, thing. is, okay. this filter that I'm only allowed to say I value knitting as an unschool mom, but I can't say that I value math because then I would ruin the thing. I think that yes. is a, 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 and that, something is... That, Yeah, yeah, seizure (laughs) there.
0: Completely. And that's also something that comes up pretty often in the the network, the community um, that I'm part of. And it is such an interesting thing to peel back because we want to be able to, we need to be able to communicate with our kids. But it's a lot of our work first, right? To get to that point where I'm not valuing math and trying to subtly manipulate them, I'm sharing my joy. Mm -hmm. Are you doing math? You know, if I like math and I want, you know, my kids to know math is awesome, I'm doing these fun math related things. I'm doing puzzles, I'm with numbers. I'm, maybe I'm reading books the joy of X, you know, I've got a bunch of math, because I too love math. Um, You know, maybe I'm noticing the math in the patterns, and the measuring and the calculating something I'm building or packing up things, you know, just to get the geometry right. So we can fit as much stuff into the thing, you know, Matt, just mentioning because I love math, I'm mentioning all the math I see just going about my day, because math is everywhere, right? So that's a way to share our excitement about those things. What it is, is the energy to be able to share without the expectation that they, you know, share our excitement. Maybe they will be interested in it too. Maybe they won't. That doesn't mean I can't share my excitement. It's peeling back the layers so that I'm not. And again, not speaking of you, but I'm not value as a parent. I'm not valuing math over knitting. That if I love knitting, I share that with the same energy and excitement as I love math. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, they can feel any manipulative energy that's there. They can, if you say, I love knitting and I love math. If you say both of those things out loud, if one of them you're sharing with the intention of trying to stir someone else's excitement, trying to get them to follow versus just excitedly sharing something you're, you love They'll be able to feel the the difference, the energy difference in those two things. If not in that instance, in the next sentence or two, (laughs) right? Because I'm I'm excited about knitting. I'm making the sweater. I'm making the scarf. I'm excited to go to the yarn store. I want to try these super huge needles. I'm sharing all the things that I want to do. If I'm sharing, I love math and I have an expectation on you, I'm sharing, I love math. Would you like to read this book? Would you like to play this puzzle? Would you like, can you see just how we would be talking about, we share this love, what do you want to do about it? Versus I have this love, here's all this cool stuff I'm doing about it. That is kind of an example. But energy. I think
2: the idea of the manipulative energy is, is central to the conversation of unschooling once we've peeled off two or three or 500 layers, because...
0: I, I it's think between something because they feel like they'll be manipulating. And I think that's where the fear comes from.
1: And if manipulating them, worked, my kids would do the dishes every day. No. If it worked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they, they have understand. to try manipulating them yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: no but what yeah. i'm i'm trying yeah, to what not to do but we're not sure how to do it instead is as, you know, as parents i
2: think we do have a special role in our kids lives as the ones or the primary ones to help them enter this life and obviously we will use our experience of how things work to see if we can you know make their landing a little softer and you know remove a few of the thorns down the road and just you know if you go this way you might not hit a wall and if you go that way it could be that it's easier if you So this job I find is just like teaching them to wash their hands before they really understand what bacteria is. There is something, there's a very fine line between the manipulation and, and the pure positive intent from a parent. And I find that line very interesting to talk about.
0: Yes, I do. I absolutely do. And I think what, like there's nothing wrong with sharing. I think what, how you've discovered that line, and I think the line moves over time, is in the reaction and the energy you get back from your child when you share this bit. If your child is resistant to it, you know, it's like, oh, this direction isn't supporting them in where they are. It isn't helpful for them to where they are right now, which just means they're not going to be able to absorb it. And they're not going to be able to make connections to it. And it's not going to make sense to them right now. Doesn't mean it never will. But it also doesn't mean I need to just sit back and not mention anything. Mm -hmm. I think that that is something, you know, we've talked about in those rules of because it's fundamental to almost every rule. Because so often parents say, "Okay, I'm not supposed to direct my child. I'm not supposed to tell them what I think they should do. So I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let them do their thing and I'm going to wait till they come to me to ask for things or to ask to do things. No, that is like, that's the opposite end of the pendulum. I kind of think it's like, Oh, you know, I don't want to direct them. So I'm going to swing all the way back and do nothing. And I'm not hardly going to engage with them. And I'm not going to say, I love math. Do you want to come play Monopoly with me <laughs> or something, you know, but it's what we replace that with. And that is the connection and the relationship and the trust where we can engage and we can share our thoughts um, with that energy. That's like, I'm sharing my experience. It may be different from yours. You may not, you you may make a different choice, but you know, I want to engage with you. I want to share my experiences. I want to share the things that I'm excited about. So, you know, that, that is the piece that we are always talking about on the podcast at this, at this point, because like you, I find that to be kind of the meat of it and the thing that a lot of unschoolers are challenged by. It's like, okay, I understand why I don't want to direct them. I understand. I see them learning things on their own, but what do I do instead of just sitting off to the side and waiting for them to say, Hey, mom, take me here. Hey, mom, can you pick up this thing? Because I'm interested in that. There's like, there is a whole rich life in between those two, you know uh extremes i find it them to be the extremes there's a whole life where we live together as a family where we're engaged where we support each other because you know what when i am sharing my experiences as my kids get a bit older they know, they have seen me as an example as a model this is what we do as human beings we're sharing our excitement we're sharing our experiences and then our kids get to start doing that with us and oh my gosh we start to learn so our world gets bigger right it's not like we're the adults sitting back and this no. is our world, oh. their world. Yeah. It's like we are all together. And I, I think the other piece is super interesting that you touched on there. You know, we want to make their life a little bit smoother, a little less thornier. Yes, we do. But that's also something we don't have control over. So we can share our experiences, but they still may choose to take that thorny path. Because yeah, or,
2: that's... They, or they could take another path and there were still thorns. We can't guarantee that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that. But I've seen in unschooling parents this, mm-hmm. so they get it. And then they fall, as you say, to the extreme other end. And they yeah. become afraid of having an opinion, having a personality, having an idea, having any judgment of anything being better than the other thing or just preferable today. You don't even have to make rules, but but just come up with the idea. Maybe, maybe should today it would be a good idea to not have candy or whatever the idea is.
0: Not bringing forth, you know, I'm really tired today. I, like at my capacity, like just being who I am in the moment and bringing that into the conversation. I may choose because my child is super excited about something, even though I said, you know, oh, I'm tired. And then they're like, I get it. And this is the only day that we can do this thing because of X, Y, Z. I may choose to like dig in, dig down and like do the thing because I want to support their learning. I know I, I now see through our conversation how super excited they are. That, that comes to another one of those paradigm shifts that's in that free to learn book, which is the why not? Yes, because we want to because we're choosing to support our kids learning. We yeah. want to say yes, but yes is not a rule. You do not have to say yes every time, right? This is where the conversations are. Maybe it's a wholehearted yes, because that fits right into our day. That's something I can do easily, like, boom, let's go. But... Maybe, maybe there's experience I have, maybe I'm tired, maybe, like, maybe there's a whole bunch of things of real life that are part of that choice. So why not? Yes, is a reminder that I don't want to automatically say no, just because that's been my pattern. But it's also a question, because I don't want to automatically say yes, that's almost as bad as automatically saying no, what are they going to learn from that? Just that everything I asked for, just happens naturally and magically. That's not life. That's not learning about how to navigate, how they can navigate the world. I can share their excitement about the thing they want to do and say, you know what? Can't make that happen today, tomorrow, because of X, Y, Z. You know, that's where we can have real conversations and they can start to understand the context of what's going on in their life. The people in their life and in their world, in their community, like all those people, there is context to everything. Mm -hmm. So that's where you can have those conversations. And that's where we that's what I love about unschooling is we're all on the same team. Like when you say I love math, you know, we're all on the team rooting for your love of math. Mm -hmm. or they say, I really want to go to the park, or I really want to do this thing. Like, I'm there for it. I love that. That's something you want to do. And also there's these other considerations. And once we get to know each other better, like they, that is a way to get to know each other better. Like to know that I'm exhausted because yesterday we did this, I kind of need a recovery day. Or I didn't sleep well last night, or I have a bad headache today. Like all those pieces of real life and of who we are as people, those absolutely should be part or can be part of the conversation so that like it's a real choice that we all lean into. But of course, the thing is that we all start with from that team perspective, we want to help each other accomplish the things that we want to do. And then as as that team energy kind of build ups, build up and we understand like our kids learn to trust us that, yeah, they're going to help me as much as possible to make this happen. I know it may not happen on the timeline that I'm hoping or that I'm envisioning, but they're not going to stand in my way, literally. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to come to them for that conversation and ask them to help me do the thing because then we're going to learn a little bit more about what it takes to accomplish the thing. So like, for me, that's where all the rich conversation lies. That's where they learn more about the world. They learn more about the people that they live with. We learn more about them because we're, we know what it is. They're excited to do, you know, people are so different as human beings that this is where we can learn. This is where we can engage. This is where we can just feel so heard and seen and loved and supported. And that doesn't mean it has to always work out on that particular person's timetable because you know we all live together, right? And I think that is kind of the conversation that's that is missing. That's the rich stuff in between those two extremes of I direct them and tell them what to do. I sit over here off to the side and don't want to tell them anything that they may take as direction. There's a whole world of consensual conversation that lives inside of that. And to me, that's the heart of unschooling.
2: The talking, yeah. We always come back to that. Unschooling is one long conversation. Just talk and talk and talk and talk. uh, I have a
1: question, and I've okay. been pondering how to to ask it. So I will ask it in the messy way it was in my head. Oh,
2: great!
1: So will
2: it be one question? Or it five? will be
1: one intertwined long question where I will uh, correct myself during what I'm explaining.
2: Okay.
1: So you're the parent of now grown-up unschoolers. And I would like to ask you about how it is to have grown up on schoolers, But then at the same time, I started arguing with myself because I'm like, no, Pam shouldn't use her kids as trophy on the unschooling world. But at the same time, our oldest unschooled child is soon 18. And and in some years, he will be, funny enough, older. So I'm just curious.
2: (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. So I'm just (laughs)
1: The, the, as I said, a messy way to, to reach my question and the uh, gear it. So I would love to hear something about how it has been for you to now have uh, grown-ups. Um I I could have asked that so simple.
2: I, do you want to ask it or do yeah, you know,
1: I said I could have asked that simple?
2: The interesting part. The other interesting part is can we, is it okay? That So you're making a podcast, people listen to it, we make a podcast, you made a blog, I make a blog, we, we're open about this because we want to, I don't know what you want it specifically, but I want to make the path easier to find and understand for other people. When I started, it was harder and everyone I could listen to was American and that's very good and fine, I don't mind Americans, but it's not the same as Europe, the situation is different over here and, and I just need it. I needed something that was actually not available. And I'm trying to make that available now. That's what I'm doing. That's why I'm blogging. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And I'm not sure how much I want to talk about my own children. Because I do talk about them. And I do post pictures of them. And I do share stories about what happened in our life, all of us, where the children are some of us. But on the other hand, I don't want them to be trophies. I don't want them to be the good example of unschooling because in a way, it's a lot of burden to put on one person. It's a lot of their private story. And also their path is not an example to follow for other kids or other families. So I think your other question that was like underneath or the Maybe. filter of the first question is the more interesting question. Not that I don't want to hear about you. I want to hear the I, other one. Okay.
1: No, no, but I,
2: I think that what do we do about how do we make sure our kids don't become trophies?
0: But I really, that question so much. Yes. I've talked about that on the podcast in a few episodes. I have a blog post about that from because That is really, it's a fascinating question because on one hand, like we talked about it, we were talking about it before, trying to meet someone where they are, Mm -hmm. right? And show what the life can, what it might look like through that lens. And when people come to unschooling or first learning about unschooling, a few years into learning about unschooling, they want to hear about the older kids. They, did they turn out, you know? Did they go to college? And you can see in those questions, the stuff they still have to unpack and the layers they still have to peel back about like, what do I expect of an adult? Like, what is my definition of success? You know, is it it being a human being? Is it a college degree and a good job? Is it, you know, is it a conventional job? And I know there are some of us with, with adult kids who look conventionally successful and you know what the challenge is they come to it from a completely unconventional place because this is something they love it just happens to look good right this is something they've loved they've worked hard they you know maybe they started when they were um, younger than most conventional kids in school because they didn't have the time in high school to devote to the thing that they loved they couldn't start until after college maybe or whatever so, I know it feels like sharing the more trophy looking stories almost does a disservice in that, oh, okay, I expect my child to look like that too. This is a path that worked. So, I'm going to follow this path and I'm going to do this thing. And at the end of it, why doesn't my child look like your child? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, it definitely feels like doing a disservice to someone um, who is learning about the journey. To, lat, to give them the opportunity to latch onto certain examples. So, you know, the more generic, I, I go back to, you know, it, it's useful to, to redefine what success is for you. Like what, it's what do I want for my child? And then it's like, is that a thing for me to want for my child? Or do I more want what my child wants? Right? Mm-hmm. Which... I can't really know, but I can most help them with that by meeting them every day and supporting them every day and helping them explore the things that they're interested in, because that's how they're going to find their path as they get older. Because the first thought that came to mind when you started asking that question, Jesper, is the answer is life feels very much the same with adult kids as it did when they were teenagers, young like. There was not a day where we said, you're an adult now, <laughs> you know, and our relationship changed. Now, I think that is one of the beautiful advantages of unschooling is that we start when they're, they're kids having this connected and strong, respectful, trusting relationship with our kids. Now, that carries forward while we're all alive versus I have this controlling, directing relationship with my child, because I I want the best outcome for them, you know, it's done with love, for the most part, you know, I I have a vision of what will be a good life for you that I want you to have. And I want to teach you these things. And please follow my directions, because I know it's best for you. Because I love you. Um, But then when they become an adult, and now they're like, yeah, you can't control me now, or you don't want to control. It's like, okay, now i am done my job. You're off in the world. And now all of a sudden you want to have that strong, connected, trusting, respectful relationship with them, but you have no model. Like You just spent 20 years building a controlling relationship that there's a good chance they're going to want to kind of escape from. You're going to have to build an entirely new kind of relationship with them as an adult. All that to say, I don't feel like much has changed other than the fact, you know, when they've moved out of the house. So the conversations are are taking place in different ways, less face to face, but one thing we I love is they're excited to come home and visit. Right? It's not like, oh my gosh, I got to get through another holiday with my family cuz I'm like, yeah, you're building this great life, you know where you are if you want to stay there for Christmas or you know whatever that's totally okay yeah and also they're like no I really want to come home I'm very excited to come home and they still have problems have challenges and problems in our lives at this point like that is life and they're going to have them and because we have that kind of relationship um they are they want to there are points like it really is individual like we're at those points they want to have these conversations but that's what you do you, you're still having conversations. you're still supportive when they're going through something you just check you know texting a few hearts when you know they're processing through something that's going on in their life or you're you know sharing your experience or you're validating man that's hard you mm-hmm. know um So it is very much the same kind of relationship that we've had throughout the years. It just, it, it flows with what's going on in their life. Right. Sometimes things are going pretty smoothly and it's all like, yeah, Hey, doing this, doing this, you know, enjoying this. Have you watched this show? Oh, I really love this movie, this book. You know, we're still sharing those pieces of ourselves that we love. You know, if I'm loving Right now I'm learning game development and, you know, I'm just sharing little pieces, not because I'm expecting anybody else to love exactly the same thing, but something we love to share is just our excitement about the thing. Somebody else can understand my excitement. They can understand why I'm excited because they have something they too get that excited about. So we don't have to connect through the interest itself, but we can connect through the joy that we each find in that. And we can commiserate and we can validate because hard things come up too. You know what I mean? So really, fundamentally, the relationships don't change. I'm even more
1: happy with having uh, chosen this path for us.
0: (laughs) Uh, I will. I mean, I'm happy to uh, give a, a little, a quick overview because the other thing that I think the other piece that can be valuable is realizing their paths can be very different, right? Like if I have a vision in my mind of what, you know, I how I want my child to turn out and I happen to have three kids, I'm trying to get all three kids to kind of look like that vision, right? Right. <laughs> but when i take that away and i focus on who they are as people oh my gosh their choices as adults so far are very very different and yet they so beautifully and fundamentally match and mesh with who they are as a person mm. so i think that is a, a a big thing like i had one child who had 18 was like ready to burst into the world with her interest in photography. And when she was 18, like we live in Canada, she moved to New York and, you know, and and she went there for a few months. Like I supported her in finding a place to go for the six months that she can go on a visitor's visa and just check out the community because we're in a small rural town. Living in New York City was like a different life, and she's like, I don't even know if I would like that, but I know there's a strong community of photographers there, and I, I which she has connected with have connected with online over the previous years as she dove into that passion. So she wanted to see what it was like, like in real life, like face-to-face. Um, so she did that, she loved it. She came back, she got her visa, she was back there in a month lived there for a number of years and then a year and a half ago moved to LA because those are kind of the two big photography places, New York and LA. And her last couple of years in New York, she was doing LA trips for a month, two, three times a year to go work with clients in LA there and then eventually moved her base over there. During that move, she came home for like three or four months in that transition, you know, got rid of her apartment there, brought some stuff up here. Transist, did some traveling from this base because you know what? Then I can travel without having to pay rent somewhere. Uh, then, then the visa thing came up, and and then eventually moved out to LA. So that that is the fun thing too about having that home base and respectful, loving relationships. Like yeah, you are welcome back anytime. It's not, and that is something they have to process because the messages they encounter in the world are you know what. You know, being at home is like a failure. You're oh, yeah, supposed yeah. to do that. You need to move out when you're 18 and and conquer the world all by yourself. You know, those aren't the messages that we grew up with and that with them that we you know shared with them growing up. It was like you know we're a family. We help each other out. We do the things and we do the things that we're interested in doing. And you know, if you want to. It, the context from where you're doing for there's no judgment like yeah I was shocked that so that one of my child after it's like such a wonderful you know life loving life at home at 18 would want to leave but you know okay I'll support that that makes complete and utter sense for you as a human being I another child who lived here 24 till about he was 24 and then he moved to another province for a while they're actually thinking him and his girlfriend thinking about coming back here and moving back to this province. That's still up in the air. That is a challenge and question that they're going through right now to decide, you know, and then that comes to here for a while while they work out jobs and, and, you know, places to live. And, and I've said, you know, you can hang out here as long as you want. I have another child who lives at home, which is absolutely beautiful. It Fits him like a glove, not not a super easy choice for him either. Because again, all the messages well, you you still live with your parents, you know what what's going on there. Why can't you hack it? But we know that that's not true. In his case, in his life, these are great choices. We have a plate like my dad lives with us. We have lots of adults like living here and coming and going. And it's just, this is our hub. This is our family hub and people are welcome here all the time and for as long. And oh my gosh, how helpful it is to have another adult, like, you know, he's cooking half the dinners and helping around the household. Like it's amazing and it's wonderful. And now my husband and I can go travel and not have to worry about the dogs because we know (laughs) he'll be able to take care of the, like, it works for each child and it works for the family. And one of those, one, two, like the how they look conventionally successful can be very different, you know, but all of them make so much sense for each of them as a human being and work so well for all of us as a family, just supporting and helping each other out, doing the things in our lives that we're wanting to do. So it just looks different, but fundamentally, it feels the same as it has always felt since we kind of really, really hit the ground running with our unschooling. So did that answer your question, Jasper?
1: absolutely answered my question. <laughs> no, but in a, in a good way also, because... When we we meet people uh, with our grown-up Storm, who is uh, 17 and a half, they're like, so, whoa, oh, you're soon 18, then what? And and he's like, then what, what? <laughs> I mean, I... The... What is this
0: situation with 18?
1: I don't... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, so, do you want to go to uh, the, some college or university? It's like, I'm just living. I'm actually very happy doing what I'm doing um and yeah i am i'm looking at the time and we have had a long wonderful wonderful chat so i would like to to round it up and also uh, if people want to if you can can tell a little about where people can find you uh where they can find the podcast and again about the book so if people want more of pam they know where to go
0: sure sure well kind of my home base uh, website is livingjoyfully.ca, so all the stuff is there. You can find it in, in the menu. Um, the podcast, the, the Exploring Unschooling podcast, um, it's in all your regular podcast players, and also right there at the website, you can always listen right there. Um, last fall, Anna Brown and I started a second podcast because, glutton for punishment, um, and It's actually called the Living Joyfully podcast, but that one focuses more on relationships. So kind of the idea, you know, when we're talking about motivations, because as you know, like so much of the discussion around unschooling ends up being when you get through that first like learning piece, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're learning all the time. I don't really have to keep looking for the learning and worry about the learning. So much of it becomes the relationship pieces, the how do we live together pieces, the how do I talk to them if I have, you know, something bubbling up for me around something, you know, versus standing back. That whole transition to how do we engage as like just human beings um, and not adults and kids now, but I'm just not controlling them. Um, so we talk about that in the living joyfully podcast without mentioning unschooling per se, all that to say, it's super helpful for unschoolers as well, because it really focuses on that relationship piece and how to engage with people, um, through like navigating conflicts and making choices, like all those pieces of it. Um, the other, uh, Big thing that uh, we've got going on is um, the network. So the Living Joyfully Network, which you can learn lots about at the website there. But it is an online community um, where we talk through these things. It's really really just walking together, walking alongside people who are taking this journey. And just being able to share our experiences. And the way, because you know what, with lots of experience, we have that different lens. So when somebody shares a challenge that's going on, we can just help peel back a couple layers around that, say, you know, maybe this, maybe this, maybe they're feeling that, maybe you can say this. So, so it is not at all prescriptive telling people what they should do because we don't know. Like, There's no rules. It's about the individuals, the family, how the people are in relationship together. Um, so it is you know, just helping people maybe see a a new way of looking at something, just brainstorm some ideas because sometimes we just get stuck in our head. And like, I cannot think of another thing to do. And I'm still flustered or upset about the situation that's going on. So, you know, at that point we will just like chat with them. And because someone who doesn't have that energy can sometimes see outside of that box, that tunnel vision that we've kind of gotten ourselves stuck in. So we can help with that. We, we have um, a theme each month. So alongside of that is we just have a theme each month that we dive into and that we talk about that is related to unschooling, that's related to our, like this month, the theme is making choices, but we've been leading up to that, you know, through peeling back the layers because like we talked about context is so important it is in any moment. So Mm -hmm. we need to understand ourselves. We need to understand our perspectives. We need to understand the layers. Maybe we've got some triggers going on, you know, that are making us feel super resistant to whatever's happening in front of us in this moment. Like, so we have those themes that we also talk through. We have conversations. Then we have like a live call with members who ever want to show up and it's recorded so that people can hear it. So that's like raising questions and chatting through in real time. Um, so, yeah, we're loving the network as well. Oh, we just started a shop.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. More, <laughs> because-
0: let me hear. Yeah. Some courses. But, yeah, because it's just about sharing the information. It's not about telling people what to do. It's about giving a new way of looking at things just to support people and making the choices that work for them in this moment mm-hmm. without the expectation that they follow it, without the expectation they follow it exactly, And knowing that, you know what, maybe now's not the time, maybe six months is this is something that's important or valuable to you. It's not the now or never kind of deal. It's like, let's just walk together. And I'm just going to share information and different possibilities that you can bring into your orbit.
1: Fantastic. And
0: that's what the books are, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And check out the book. Absolutely. Pam, it was wonderful having you on on our podcast. And thank you for your time.
0: Well, I loved your questions, even the rambly ones, because
1: <laughs> that was mine, that was mine. <laughs> where
0: your mind is, right? <laughs> so it was able to pick out, yeah, I know where you were going with that. Yeah. And what was your? But we need to ramble sometimes till we yeah, can yeah, find. Yeah. It. But
1: oh, he needs to but ramble. You listen to me ramble. <laughs> I, we, yeah. I am rambling, and I'm lucky to have both my wife and you on this uh, episode to help translate what happens inside. <laughs> it's, you know,
0: understandable for other <laughs> okay, people.
1: Okay, but we will say goodbye and and thank you for your time. Bye. Oh, Thanks so much. It was
0: so fun. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the Growing Podcast Archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.